This is The Soul's Intent with author, psychologist, and spiritual teacher, Ernie Vecchio. The Soul's Intent is a show that boldly claims that it can help reveal where you are on the spiritual path. Learn how there is a physical place of love, truth, and freedom. Listen, and in an instant, learn that moving to such a place is actually a choice. This is The Soul's Intent, and now here's your host, Ernie Vecchio. Valentine's Day, and I want people to be thinking about the heart as the compass and ask yourself the question if you have anybody in your life that you think uh, either carries that compass for you or anybody that's told you that you are their compass. In the work that I do with the soul's intent, you can see as a spiritual being when you close your eyes and try to see with your heart. It's not about seeing with your eyes anyway. It's about looking at life through the lens, or not looking at, at life through the lens of the ego. As I always ask you when you saw that that was the title today, what, what came to your mind about close your eyes and see with something else? Yeah, that the soul asks us to close our eyes to see. Um, well, the first thing that, that came to mind is a lot of times I find myself doing that if I can't get clarity on something or there's an interaction happening relating to other people that I can't quite see or get, I'll close my eyes and and what that does for me is it puts me in touch with what I'm feeling and um, which is of course connected to the heart and it's just I actually can see so much clearer with my eyes closed sometimes than with my eyes open. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well what, what I like about that idea of, of the soul's advice to close our eyes when we don't know what to do and look with something else is that it gets us out of our head. You know we talk a lot in this culture about taking a time out, stepping back from something. But what are we stepping back from if it isn't our thinking and and our brain's tendency to analyze everything and dissect everything and and see it in duality because that's what the brain or the ego tends to do. Um, like mm-hmm. I said, in, in, in the beginning, it looks at the right or the wrong or something. And, and what you're really wanting to do when you install the hardness compass, of course, is to see life through a true or false uh perspective. And um, and that's the word. I mean, if there's any word that grabs this work more than anything is that I'm trying to get people to shift their perspective on what it means to be spiritual. And mm-hmm. um, it's not a cognitive practice. You know, we've got a thousand books on the market, you know, that date back to 1960, 1955. <laughs> where all of the helpers and the counselors and the teachers of the time were saying, get out of your head and come to your senses. Well, mm-hmm. that's a great line, but most of us don't do it. You know, we don't. Uh, mm-hmm. And and the sense that we need to be coming to, of course, is not, you know, when you think of that, you think of taste, smell, touch, vision, hearing. Um, half of those senses are in our head. The other half are in our body. So, Sensing with your body is really what we're talking about here, and somewhere between your heart and your stomach really is the is the intuitive dimension and mm-hmm. or the or, and or the intuitive tool that we should that we're supposed to use when we're doing our lives um, and look what it does to to problem solving 
and we're faced with problems to solve, it uh, it gives us a place of clarity that we're not going to ordinarily mm-hmm. get in our heads. Yeah. What else came to mind? Anything else about it? Well, yeah, yeah. Um, the saying um, um, in the Bible that Jesus said, "Let thine eye." be single and the body will be full of light and um, thinking along those lines and thinking of the difference between um, what we see with our physical eyes and what we understand with our spiritual eye, which is, is single. It's um, because to me, what that defines or symbolizes is that um, the spiritual eye being a single eye, which in, in some beliefs they, you know, call it the third eye. Um, and that being single is there's uh, no judgment, uh, only in duality of uh, and, and morality of right and wrong. Um, there's judgment and there's, there's seeing two different sides where... Um, that's something I sense and feel when I close my eyes. I lose um, judgment, mm-hmm. and I can get in touch with the um, what's true and what's false. Mm. Well, what I like about that verse is the word light, <laughs> because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because what you're attempting to do when you're looking at the world through the lens of the heart uh, or looking at the world intuitively is you're attempting to see in the dark. Mm-hmm. And in um, the dark, in this case, is uh, is the ego's dimension. The ego lives in the dark. It, it is unable to see internally the way it does in the external. And uh, and this is why it's gotten so much, um, so much time in our lives, is that we use the ego to negotiate the outside world. And so we think of it as compass, but it really is only compass and uh, what is taking place in front of our eyes or or mm-hmm. what's in our mind even. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I like the word light because that's what you're tapping into when you're looking at intuition or clarity. You're trying to shine light on something that, that would otherwise not be seen. Um, and, it, and it's interesting to me that um, much of this work much of spiritual work and much of what it means to be human seems to be in the peripheral. And as, and as you attempt to turn your head to see it, it disappears. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I don't know if that's been your experience, but that certainly has been mine. And and I and so a lot of times when people give me dreams and they're focused on the core of the dream, I always tell them to look at the peripheral of the dream. What mm-hmm. are the pieces in the mm-hmm. peripheral? Because because for example, some people have given me re- reoccurring dreams, and the reoccurring dream has the same common theme through it, at least in the core of the dream, but there is a subtle change in the peripheral. Well, the peripheral and that subtle change is really where it, what the soul wants us to see. So, mm-hmm. so, so even in dream work, you have to step back a little bit further from the symbology that the soul has given us to look at the to look at the edges of the dream and say what what is there that wasn't there before and um so yeah and and so that's what it means i think and you know we've we've heard people say this before that uh that 
some of this stuff is common sense and some of this stuff is hiding in plain sight. Well, that's what that means. <laughs> that. Um, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that makes so much sense what you just said. It kind of makes me think of that saying, um, "You can't see the forest for the trees." Mm-hmm. Um, and and I have had that experience throughout my uh, adult life that if I'm trying so hard to see something or I'm I'm looking so um, intensely focused on something or looking at it directly that it can be really hard to see. Mm -hmm. It can be really hard to see that way, yeah. Well, -hmm. and the reason that we get stuck in that particular line of thinking is because uh, we're searching for an answer. And really what the soul was doing always is giving us another question. And, um, mm. and mm-hmm. so, and so we're not looking for, we're not looking for answers when we're looking for something. In fact, we're not even looking for, uh, for data or information. Instead, we're looking for a shift in the gestalt of what we're looking at. Uh, and that's really what a shift in perspective is. I mean, I can't say enough that that for those people that are following the soul's intent and that I think we're going to be following it in the future, that that um, I'm hoping that we can create some kind of a groundswell uh, on this idea of a shift in perspective about what it means to be a spiritual being in a psychological existence, because this is truth about where we are, and um, and. And it's and when you make the shift in perspective, unlike gathering answers to questions, um, it comes in like a flood. Has, has that not been your experience? That when you have a shift in perspective, that that it just floods. It floods in. It doesn't. It doesn't creep in or subtly come through. It comes through in a, like a a panoramic view. All of a sudden, uh, I, I've heard yeah. you say it, and I've mm-hmm. said it where. You go to bed one night and get up the next day, and the world looks different. It's like well, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you went to yeah, bed with say, you, you 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 went yeah. to bed with kind of a myoptic view, and you woke up with panoramic vision. And um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and it's and yeah. and, you, and what comes with that is a surge of energy of the mm-hmm. of that uh, of that perspective and so um yeah so i i'm hoping people that are listening and following or people that will be taking classes in the future with us is that they get that that's really what i'm trying to to teach here is um a shift and um and how to make that shift happen you know, we've been hearing for what 20 25 years now about paradigm shifting and shifting consciousness and all of these different phrases, but nobody's given us the how to do the shift. Mm-hmm. And, and and the context that they're teaching isn't isn't making the shift uh, possible, or it isn't making mm-hmm. the shift easy. When really the shift isn't that hard to make. Um, well, and, and and that's interesting because I I was just talking to someone today about and and I've shared this with you that. I don't know if it was a dream I had or timing or what it was that I went to bed one night, one ermine, I woke up a different Irma. And I, when I reflect back on that now, I think that had everything to do with our dialogue that 
our dialogues that we've we've had with each other, knowing you, learning from you, learning um, from your teachings, and kind of it all kind of coming to a, a, a pinpoint or a, a, a breakthrough of some kind. And, and it was like a veil being lifted. Mm-hmm. And, and when I say I went to bed one Irma and woke up a different Irma because there was a, a, a that's how I would describe it, like a veil being lifted. Well, and, and if you want to, yeah, and if you want to see the profundity of that, um, you know, I'm I'm bringing these teachings to the world as a result of eavesdropping in on the soul's conversation with thousands of people undergoing despair. Well, there is not a bigger veil on the planet than despair. To be at your mm-hmm. lowest possible point, thinking you have no options, no choices. Um, you're in a body that may not work anymore the way it used to work. Uh, you may even have amputation, and so part of your body's even gone, and you have to go, if I am not this body, then what am I? And, and, if, I'm not, mm-hmm. and if I'm not my vocation, then who am I? And so there's a shift in, in that happens in a very abrupt way with despair. The beauty of the work that I'm teaching is you don't have to wait for a tree to fall on you. You don't have to wait for mm-hmm. a near-death experience to get some of this mm-hmm. because it's it's happening inside of you all the time. There is a, you know, the soul is orchestrating, the ego is provoking, uh, the ego to to awaken, and the heart is is pointing towards whatever your true north will be. This is happening all the time in spite of your lack of awareness of it, and it's all happening to self-correct. And what it's self-correcting is the psychological division that we all undergo and feel uh, so that we can then reconnect to the source, which is the other, mm-hmm. which is the other division that's happening. So, so again, that's, the, that's the, the payoff or the perk of this work is, mm-hmm. is you don't mm-hmm. have to wait for trauma to happen. And this is what Eckhart Tolle mm-hmm. says when he, when he says you don't have to suffer anymore. He's leaving out in parentheses because you already have enough in reserve. You don't need to create any more new suffering. He's not saying mm-hmm. that. And that and that 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 is in reserve is is the blood, sweat, and tears of your life experience, and mm-hmm. in that and in that reserve is wisdom and depth mm-hmm. and understanding mm-hmm. and all of that. And so that self-corrective process is there to make these veils come down. That's really what this is about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When I was reflecting back on that experience of going to bed as one ermine waking up a a different ermine, I I was trying to um, express to someone uh, today kind of what that really was. And I heard myself saying, and it was like I was hearing it or being aware of it for the first time, that it was really a sense of... uh, not that I was really a, a new Irma. What was there the night before that wasn't there the next day was an attachment to the Irma of the past and anything that I was still holding on to, mm-hmm. that was gone. Not that the memories were gone, but the emotional charge and the emotional attachment to the memories was gone yeah, and yeah. that's what changed and I really 
feel very strongly that that has everything to do with allowing myself to be open to the dialogues we've had and to the the teachings that you you brought into my life and and just um kind of it all came together and it all made sense yeah and, and the beauty like, and, and the beauty mm. of that is you can't go back once uh, mm, yeah. once 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 the veils come down you you don't even know how to go back because you don't know it wouldn't be possible yeah, yeah because be because people i mean and i've had people say this to me in this work you know i don't know what i did but i feel different and i feel like i'm in a different place and and i and i and i always reinforce that it's nothing that you did it's a bunch of stuff you stopped doing because mm-hmm. it's the ego that's focused on doing something and mm-hmm. uh, and that's what it means to get out of your own way <laughs> you know that, mm-hmm. that when you get when when you get out of the way the soul and 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 all of its intelligence and wisdom comes through uh, when you were saying that, I had this image in my head of mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? And and when you're when you're that when you're the previous Irma, you're standing there looking in the mirror, having this discussion with yourself. Then you go to bed and get up the next day, and what you see now is what is holding the mirror. Huh. Yeah, it's like you stepped back far enough from the mirror now that you're looking at the background. Of what is it that's holding the mirror? It's no way that it's it's the same thing that if you took you know I said before that if you took the left hemisphere of the brain, it sees what's in the viewfinder of the camera. You back the camera away from your face. The right hemisphere of the brain sees everything the camera doesn't take in. When you go to bed one day and get up the next day, it's who's holding the camera? Yeah. Or what's holding yeah. the camera? It's no, and so you can see you've stepped back even further from it and that's what the soul sees that is the soul's dimension mm-hmm. the soul's yeah. dimension is is who or what is holding the camera and it's mostly what because because the what you know i'm I, you know as i've said before in this who what when where and why uh we are human beings or why we are here um the that we spend the majority of our time on the uh on the where and the who and the and the and maybe the the when, but we don't do the what and the why. And mm-hmm. the and the and the mm-hmm. what of course is that we are spiritual beings and the why is that so we can then have an effect on the world around us, to have a reciprocal relationship mm-hmm. with the world around us as a soulful, fully embodied, fully expressed, authentic self. And so, mm-hmm. so getting to the what and the why we are is the is the goal, and uh, mm-hmm. and, and and we spend you know the majority of our lives on the when and the where and the and the who. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, because in this in this experience that I that I had in this shift that that I had in this veil lifting. I I was asking myself, well, why would anybody stay attached to the past or hold on to to baggage or keep an emotional attachment to the past? And what I came up with is because we think somehow that's our identity. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Well, it, and it, that's it's... what changed. That's what shifted. Is 
I didn't need that identity anymore. I didn't need Well, there is no identity. there is no I and me. It's now us and we. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what and that's the shift that occurs. Yeah. Well, and and I don't know if people are aware, but that's really what happened to Eckhart Tolle when he was sitting on the bench before he wrote The Power of Now, and he was having suicidal thoughts. He stepped back from the situation and said, "Who is this guy that wants to die?" And they went, "Wait a minute. What is that that is observing this man that wants mm-hmm. to die?" And then he took it a step right. further and, and said, which one do I want to identify with? And he said, well, I'm going to identify with the observer. And yeah. so and then he wrote mm-hmm. a book, The Power of Now. Well, you know, as, as mm-hmm. you and I know, that that book is a rewrite because Ram Dass wrote the same book in the 1960s. Be here now. Same stuff. Right. Same mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. But um, but I think that that's that's the missing piece in the spiritual um, uh, spiritual culture, if you will, is, is that we're not teaching people that what they are is absolutely incredible and what they are is mm-hmm. is um enormous amount of accumulation of wisdom and life experiences uh, uh that have been distorted or confused or contaminated by the ego's perspective of it if not the ego if not the personal ego then the collective ego and either way when you're looking at your life through the lens of the ego, you're stuck in that cul-de-sac, and and that's where you are. And um, mm-hmm. and so yeah, and so the beauty of this work is is that the only time that you see your life in its entirety in this culture is when you get hit by a tree, when mm-hmm. life just hits you between the eyes and you don't have any place to run, no place to hide, you don't have any choice. You have to face yourself at a different level, and you can no longer do self-deception. Well, which means you can no longer look at the world through the, through the lens of the ego because the ego is deceiving in terms of what it sees mm-hmm. and how it sees. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. and so it's um, – and, and I asked that question 30 years ago when I began this work with uh, with trauma patients. It was like, my gosh, here is this intelligence, this deliberate intelligence that is pulling us into the present all the time, working and orchestrating all the time to get us to see what it is we need to see. Why are we fighting it so much? And, and of course, the answer, we all know the answer is, is that the ego is what's fighting it. And this idea of personality is what's fighting it And uh, because our mm-hmm. identity is wrapped mm-hmm. up in all of these identifications. And we have hundreds of them. Hundreds of identifications that literally rest on the the surface of the soul, and uh, mm-hmm. like structures that need to be deconstructed, eliminated yeah. Uh, yeah. at some level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think I would have said before this uh, last experience I had, I think I would have said, yeah, we kind of do need to, you know, have some major trauma to to wake up. I think I would have felt that or said that or believed that. But after this experience that I had, I would no longer say that. Mm-hmm. I would say that we can wake up in kind of a um, seamless, graceful way. Yeah. I don't think we do have to get hit over the head. I mean, I know for certain from experience and um, I was sharing with someone today that if, and I honestly feel this, I'm not trying to push anything or sell anything that if people understood 
the the payoffs, the perks of tapping into the wisdom that you're wanting to share with the public. If if they really understood that if they tapped into that, it would be life changing. And the wonderful thing is you won't know how it's going to change, but just know that it will. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, yeah, and I and, truly, truly believe. Well, that. and I and I've said to you before that 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 I think truly spiritual seekers are philosophers of of a sort. Uh, they they have a they have uh, they've kind of uh, teeter tottered with their belief systems. They've uh, moved in and out of structured religion, and they've moved in and out of of uh, a rigid fundamental perspective of their lives. And because of divorce or loss of a job or or something they had or maybe a loss of a child something woke them up to this idea that I cannot adapt or adjust to life as it is from a rigid perspective I've got to be more flexible and more adaptive and um mm. and 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 so and so this this idea that uh that we think this wisdom's not available to us is because we're afraid and we're afraid mm. that, and we're afraid, mm. and, I, and I've even had people say, you know, what if I, what if I find myself and I don't like myself? <laughs> well, that, that's, a, that's an ego judging an egoic question, you see, and mm-hmm. it, it is, it is impossible to tap into the wisdom that is you and not love what you see. It's impossible to do that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that you're, yeah. That you're going to you're going to get um, a deeper appreciation for your life. In, in fact, we 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 give a lot of uh, a lot of lip service to reaching your potential and being the best version of yourself possible. And really, uh, what you're trying to do is to find a moral to your story. So much so, and to the extent that that philosophy of life that is yours. Will change other people's lives. I mean, that's what happens. That uh, mm-hmm. as, as soon as you gain some level of wisdom uh, that comes from a true and valid place, it is uh, your first your first impulse is to share it with somebody. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. and so everybody has that. And so meaning and purpose, which we're all you know, which we give a lot of uh, a, a lot of. Um, Verbiage to in this culture is typically about the external, about success in business or making money or being, uh, you know, being, you know, uh, enlightened. These are all external things uh, when really uh, what we're talking about here is, a, is an internal shift that happens. Then all those other things just kind of fall into place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And that was such a good point you made about um, not being rigid and allowing yourself to be more flexible. Um, that That's such an important point. And it kind of makes me think of a, a visual of if you take one of your hands and you hold it into a fist, that would be rigidity and nothing can get in. Nothing can get in, and it's just a fist, and it's all contracted. But then if you take that fist and open it up into an open hand, anything is possible. It's open. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that's, you know, that's flexibility. Uh, that, that's so, I think, in, in this work and, and what you're sharing and your teachings, 
that point is is so important to remember to be willing to let well go and of if that you understand system. yeah and if you understand that the 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 core of what makes ego dysfunction or what the culture calls personality disorder is is that it is built on concrete it is a it is a concrete foundation it is a mm-hmm. concrete perspective the point is that it's pervasive it's hard it's fixed it's formed by whatever uh the uh, concrete has been poured into and uh you know in, in the culture we would call this character you know that whatever mm-hmm. whatever the container is that the ego resides inside of is a rigid fixed uh uh concrete kind of container uh what the soul is is like water and if you mm. try and if, and if you've ever tried to clutch a handful of water you open up your hand there's nothing there uh, <laughs> or it'd be like squeezing a handful of jello and you open your hand and there's nothing there that uh, the ego is not going to be contained nor controlled nor will it be stuck in a concrete place if it's allowed to be free you can't mm. um uh, yeah and so that's the that's the the idea here is that you move from a from a hard fixed chronic uh kind of pervasive um egoic kind of entity into a fluid dynamic ever changing uh spiritual being that you are because this is the soul mm-hmm. you can't wrap your yeah. hands you can't wrap your hands around a a, a field of energy you know, because it moves, <laughs> it moves out of your out of your grasp, so to speak. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and that you know that just makes me think of how many times I've I've heard you talk about the dimensions of of love, truth, and freedom. And yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You can't you can't clutch those things. You can be mm-hmm. in that place, but you can't you can't construct that place. Uh, because it isn't a construct it's a dimension mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and it can't <laughs> it can't be contained that's what makes it uh love truth and freedom that uh it's just different words to describe the same dimension love truth mm-hmm. and freedom is the experience of the dimension but you can't clutch it you can't you can't solidify it you know it, it isn't cognitive these dimensions that we're talking about and ne- and neither is the soul the soul is not a cognitive uh kind of entity it is it is the the life force that animates this body and it is it is it is contained uh by the body but it's also not contained by the body it's in the body and it's also around the body and if you are connected mm-hmm. to it it's then connected to life itself um i've said before that if you took a, a, the water drop on a table and put another drop beside it, and you you could see the boundaries of the two drops of water, but if you tilt the table the, and the drops merge, um, then then one plus one equals a third thing. Well, it's the same thing with the soul in relationship to life. If you have a vertical relationship with uh, the universe or with life itself, the soul will naturally merge with it. There is no boundary between you and the vastness of the universe. And uh the only boundary is your ego. Uh because the that's that that's how that kind of works. I don't know, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's uh mm-hmm. that's how I kind of yeah. see that. Yeah. 
and you get energized by it and you get infused by it and you get um, new information. You know, we say in the culture that we think 60,000 thoughts a day, of which 98% is the same stuff we thought the day before and there's no new thinking. Well, when you're in a vertical relationship with the universe and you're in your body and not your head, then new thoughts come through. <laughs> you know, new ideas, new perspectives uh, come through. And this is the point that... Uh, that we are so caught up and locked into that repetitive, redundant, habitual thinking that we don't understand that the, where the soul lives, there there is no thought. Where love and truth and freedom is, there is no thought. Uh, it just is. Excuse well, yeah, yeah, and and that's that's what I was going to say as far as um, the teaching that that you're bringing to the public. Even though you have to try to understand through the intellect, the actual gift of the teachings is not really of the intellect at all. It's of of experience. Mm-hmm. That's that's when I think it really sinks in when it becomes an experience of understanding rather than an intellectual understanding. Well, and that's a beauty of questions because people that ask questions and, and spiritual seekers tend to do that. What they're really saying, you know, you know, forget what the question is. What they're really saying is, I want to have a different experience than the one I'm having. Mm-hmm. And the question is their way of trying to find that experience. Yeah. Which is why you can't be seeking answers <laughs> uh, because that's not because answers won't change your experience. It's coming up with a deep huh. coming up coming huh. up with coming up with a quality question really is what kind of kind of allows you to enter into a new place. The very fact that you formulate the question means you're in a new place with the problem, and that new place is where you're trying to go. It isn't the answer that makes the difference it's the 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 formulation of the question itself and and so that's that's the beauty of it. Because that's what. Because if you can imagine that what the soul was doing in, in its in its orchestration of your life, it is trying to get you to ask uh, the right questions. Uh, not it's not trying to get you to find the right answers. And right questions. Wow, I yeah, I'm hearing that in a whole different way. I've heard you say that so many times, and I thought I was getting it, but. For some reason right now, I just got that in a whole different way mm-hmm. about not seeking answers. It's about formulating the question and having the experience of allowing that question or those questions to kind of percolate their way <laughs> to the surface. Yeah, in fact, in fact, a really good talking. question, in fact, a really good question uh, guarantees a shift in perspective. Oh my gosh, that just, is so so true. Just by the very fact that you formulated a new question, and so and so this is and, and the and the soul knows this, which is why it's orchestrating you to see what it is you need to see, is trying to get you to come up with another another way to look at what it is you're looking at, and so and invariably, which is what the show's about tonight, invariably you got to get out of your head and get into your body with it, and and mm-hmm. and the beauty of that is that that's a compassionate act. 
Because when you're in your head, you're suffering for yourself. When you're in your body, you're suffering with yourself. And when you're in your body and suffering with yourself, that is a compassionate act. And it is that compassion that allows the friction that comes with that that sense of uncertainty and that and that sense of not knowing. It allows that friction to be tolerable. Compassion is the lubricant for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so if you can sit with it, whatever the question may be, long enough, uh, you will find that it isn't intolerable. But see, from the ego's perspective, when it suffers for itself, it doesn't it doesn't like the friction, so it will run to keep the friction from happening. The ego and it'll also seek for answers. It also yes. will want an answer, yeah. Yeah. And then what the shadow does, which is that wounded side of the self, what the shadow does is then try to distract us and go in a different direction. So, you know, we've said this before off the air and on the air, but, you know, I, I've come to the conclusion that 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 part of what I'm teaching now is, is that um, it isn't whether you're enlightened or whether you're conscious or whether you're wise – it's whether or not you're going to be a victim or not. And uh, mm, and yeah. beca- because from the ego's perspective, we are all victims. From the ego's perspective, we've all undergone victimization. And from the ego's perspective, it sucks. And there, and it doesn't seem fair or right or or I need to know why. Why did my parents abandon me or why did my husband cheat on me? And, and, and so we sit in the victimization and, and ask these questions, why? Uh, and and spin into that victim kind of uh, mindset, and and never get to the to the cause and effect of it all, and uh, and so we have to get in our bodies for that, and that's the and that's the compassionate act, that's the ethical thing to do, to be in your body is you're looking at and, and have your eyes closed and looking at your life as something else other than the lens of the ego. That's what it means. Closing your eyes. Is making is is seeing what the ego sees, which is dark, when you close your eyes, mm. Mm. and then mm. and and so and so because the ego is helpless in being able to see in the dark, then something else comes through that allows you to see. You activate another capacity of vision, and of course the the vision that I talk about all the time is hindsight, insight, and foresight. So. When you close your eyes, you're no longer looking at your world uh, at the world through hindsight, which is what the ego does. And with your eyes closed, you're now looking inward, so you are having a, a insightful moment. And so the formulation of the question determines how bright of a flash the insight will be, mm-hmm. and uh, or or if an insight will happen at all. And as you said, once mm-hmm. the once the insight comes through, then a shift begins to happen, and then it's like, "Wow, how come I didn't see that before, or why yeah, was that? Why yeah. was that not clear before?" But uh, that's the ego's mm-hmm. function, sadly, is to distract us away from that until mm-hmm. we awaken it and get it into the present. I mean, it's it's only doing that because it only knows the past and frets about the future. Mm-hmm. The human mm-hmm. ego really doesn't know how to be in this moment. So it's not going to let mm. us stay there in some kind of comfortable way. So we have mm. to kind of, so we have to kind of coach it and parent it and coerce it uh, to under because it's childlike in its perspective and all of your demons, all of your your victimization, it's all coming from childhood. You know, unless you've been traumatized as an adult, and then it then if it has been something that's happened as an adult, and how you would have coped with it as a child. 
is still being played out as an adult because those those coping styles are still kind of adolescent. They're not full grown, those coping mechanisms, mm-hmm. whatever they may be. So, yeah, if that made any sense yeah. at all. Um, well, it absolutely did. Um, I was thinking, too, when you were talking about victimization, that if we're in a place within ourselves uh, feeling like a victim, being in that place of victimization, we can't, We it's not possible to experience the dimensions of love, truth, and freedom because mm-hmm. that victimization keeps us in a prison. Oh yes, yeah. Well, yeah. The mm-hmm. the ego itself is a prison. I mean, that's the that's the truth of the matter. It's or it's a trap or a cul-de-sac. I mean, it's just a matter of how intensely uh, we are in it. If you want to look what's happening right now in the news, um, I don't know where I saw this or heard this recently in the past week or so, but um, everybody's been freaking out about Donald Trump and some of the things he's been doing and and and. And because he's creating uncertainty and he's and you go to bed one day, get up the next day and you, and you don't know what's going to be the next headline. Um, mm-hmm. Somebody somebody said something really, really uh, clear and precise. And that is, you know, we need to understand that uh, we don't work for Donald Trump. Donald Trump works for us. And just that one phrase. Hmm. And it's yeah. actually and it's actually valid. He is a public servant. He's not, he's not the apprentice anymore. He's not. This isn't the Trump uh, corporation that we're working for. We're not his employees. Nor you know, he can't fire us. Uh, we're not working for him. He works for us. Well, just that simple phrase. Look what that does to all yeah. of the yeah. Perspective on things, and yeah, yeah, and that was a good example. That was that that was that that was kind of a gestalt shift, and that everybody's looking at uh, what's he going to do next, and 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 we're afraid of him, and you know, and, and as if we're in some kind of powerless place. And the truth of the matter is, we voted him in; we can vote him out. We put him in; mm-hmm. we can t- we we can take him out. I mean, this is the truth of the mm-hmm. matter. But it's that it's that, and so that that phrase was really kind of seen from the soul's perspective. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, the person that, that made that statement just inverted the problem and said, yeah. and, and, and essentially said, you're looking at the, you're looking at the foreground of what's happening, that he is in front of us as our president. But the background is the canvas of which he is up against is he's a public servant. And mm-hmm. uh, and and as a result of that, we don't have to be afraid for very long. We don't have to be frustrated for very long. Whatever we're going through with Donald Trump, it's temporary. Mm-hmm. And, and couldn't it be what he's representing to people is somehow causing people to do some kind of regression in themselves where they're almost putting him in the the seat of parent and themselves in the seat of child. Oh yeah, the, the, there's some of that happening of course anytime we do that to our leaders all the time but uh, but I I yeah. think that I think that you know if we stay out of the political um kind of discussion of it, you know, Donald Trump is uh there's an upside to his presence as presidents, and the upside is he's bringing us together in a totally different kind of way, mm-hmm. in a mm-hmm. way that we in a, in a way that we needed to come together. And he's also magnifying the division between us, uh, which also needed to, to be clear and to be 
in, in, in our view, so that we could heal the division. Uh, mm-hmm. So 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 all of that is kind of happening for a reason. It isn't. Uh, it has an upside, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but I think my yeah, point kind of makes me think of uh, always having lived in in Chicago and the horrible winters we've had and and terrible terrible snowstorms at, at times. How. Sometimes you may not even see your neighbor, know your neighbor, but you have something like a huge snowstorm hit. All of a sudden, we're all united because we need each other. And, oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the same. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good example. Yeah. I mean, the, these kinds mm-hmm. of things bring us together. They also magnify the differences. They also magnify the division. But that isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's, uh, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's something that we need to be paying attention to anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. And as long as we don't go into our ego and polarize and take sides, uh, yeah, yeah. then then we can get something from it that'll be profound. If we, as long as we stay polarized, and and we let the ego make the choices, you know, I'm right, you're wrong, or this is my side's mm-hmm. better than your side, then then we're not going to get anywhere with this with this transition that we are in. And that's exactly all this is. This is a transition to another level of. Uh, uh, of um i guess operating in our culture uh of compassion of understanding of communication uh, it's another way to heal the division and and mm-hmm. long after donald trump is gone and somebody else is in his in his seat we're still going to have this to deal with we're still going to have the division mm-hmm. to deal with the differences that we are to deal with and so again this work uh gives you a place to be grounded in as you are sitting back and viewing uh, the outside world because it's the inside world that we have control over. It's the outside world, really, we have no control over at all. So being grounded mm-hmm. in in what the soul sees, being grounded in what is true, uh, is is could could not be a more secure place to be grounded mm-hmm. in something that is mm-hmm. true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there's no teachings on the planet that um, contain some kind of magic or, you know, like there's a magic wand that we can wave over the external world and make it all blissful and harmony and peace. There, There's no such te- teachings on the planet. No. Except that we can do that internally, and that does... Um, well, where 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 I sit is a is a psychologist and a helper and as a teacher is is that all I care about honestly about anything that happens in our world is is that when the dust settles we are better for it uh, and that mm-hmm. that is really the benefit of spiritual work that uh, when you when your life is chaotic when you are in a disordered place when your life is uh, is is despairing and depressing and fearful. Uh, it, it won't always be that way. It will eventually calm down and the dust will settle. And the challenge is, what did you get from it? What What is different now about you and about your, your expressed self than before all that disorder and chaos happened? You see, that's the that's the human experience that uh, we're, we're going to, like I said in the beginning of, these talk shows years ago, we don't get to choose in this existence if we suffer. We only get to choose how we suffer. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and 
And this work that I'm teaching is the how. And, mm-hmm. and it's an ethical way, a contextual way to suffer, which is compassionate, heart-centered, and awake. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and mm-hmm. which is why I define spirituality as, is the pursuit and understanding of suffering. Not how to avoid mm-hmm. it, not how to sidestep it, but how to use it for its function, which is to heal the division that is inside of you. So then you can then turn around and reconnect to the source. Mm-hmm. And what we're and what we're trying to do, unfortunately, in the culture is is to just connect with the source and bypass all that, or listen to the guy up front, or go to church, or or you know uh, read the Bible, or read the Quran or the Kabbalah, and and think that somehow that's all we need to do. Those those are wonderful practices and rituals. But they don't get you to a place of integrity and authenticity. They just make you a sheep in an otherwise uh, uh, uncontrollable external world, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So, 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 and, and I don't think spiritual people, uh, spiritual people by nature, are sheep. I think mm-hmm. that they, I think they, are people that inherently ask why. They are people that uh, that are driven by an angst. To a larger truth that is within them, mm-hmm. not truth as information, but a larger truth that allows them to step through and live in it, that truth and that love and that freedom. Yeah, and that's you yeah. Know, because that's that's the soul's intent. Besides embodiment in the full expression without constriction, uh, the soul's intent is that we be free to be what we were intended to be, which is spiritual beings. You know, not psychological beings, and uh, that's the that's what I say is the is the proverbial trap that we are in. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so we've so got true. a lot of problems with how we're dealing with it. I mean, you know, uh, I, I sent you a film this week of a uh, of a psychiatric patient who's been off of her medication mm-hmm. now for seven years, and she's and she each year she she kind of marks the date when she got off the medicine. But uh, what I loved about that film is she talks about the inadequacy of the mental health model, of which I am a part of, uh, that it hasn't done much healing, and it hasn't done much for the idea of what mental health would sound like and look like and be. And literally, the soul's intent is all of that. It Mm -hmm. defines what mental health would be. It defines what it means to be spiritual. It defines some of these things in, in some clear, concise ways that um, that solves the problem um, that we have in the culture as far as what the helpers are doing. And of course, the, the psychiatric community is just medicating uh, this, and, and which has taken us away from the, that feeling dimension and, and just keeping us in that emotional place. So yeah. Ironic. Wow! Yeah, yeah, that's so so true, and and that is a a big part of um, your teachings is um, a confirmation and a validation of what's true in in all of us, really, and yeah, but it's almost like there is this um, mm, uh, the sense of polarity. Uh, in in our society, within each other, 
um, there is that sense of clarity. Well, and you know what, what it is, Irma. Talking. You know what it is. It's there's there's such a thing as political correctness. There's such a thing as religious correctness or religious morality. Mm-hmm. But none of those things move us to being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> being religiously correct doesn't make us a spiritual being. And <laughs> um, doesn't access that spiritual being that we are. Being politically correct may make us right, but it doesn't make us whole. And this is the and this is the goal. I mean, if the soul's intent and and keep in mind, this is coming to us from people that were whole one minute and ripped apart the next, and they're sitting there going, "If I'm not whole." Then I am deformed, I am disabled, I am grotesque, the world's going to stare at me, I'm going to be made fun of, and and they're saying, and so they have a sense of being whole one minute and being torn apart the next, and having to figure out, how do I find my wholeness in this debilitated body, in this amputated, stroke-ridden body? And... This and, and so political correctness isn't going to give them wholeness. Religious correctness isn't going to give them wholeness. But the soul will. Yeah. The yeah. soul will give them wholeness because no matter what you do to this body, the soul is whole. Mm-hmm. It is not dismantled. It is not... Um, it is not it is not disabled. It is not taken offline in any way. If it was taken offline, that would be physical death. So as long mm-hmm. as the soul can animate this body, you are whole. Yeah, yeah. It's not broken, and it doesn't need to be fixed. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing about mm-hmm. all it needs to be is set free. That's all it needs mm-hmm. to simply express, uh, you know, its its natural intent, which is to just be in this existence. Uh, and, uh, and that, and, and I think a lot of creative people and artistic people know this because that's where their inspiration comes from. It comes from that, that soulful place of creativity and expression. And, well, uh, yeah, yeah, because sometimes, sometimes I think, you know, when you talk about not you, you specifically, but in general, when we talk about being just being, I think some people can interpret that, of well then you don't um you're not productive i i think it's i think it's almost the opposite of that that in your beingness you're more likely to be very very productive yeah well you know what's what what's interesting about that is in your beingness is your purpose mm-hmm. which may or may not be your vocation <laughs> mm-hmm. or may or may not mm-hmm. be your career you know uh, in your in your being is your purpose, and your purpose is really simple. It's not complex to simply express without mm-hmm. constriction, uh, and and from a heart centered, uh, kind of ethical, compassionate place. Like I said, if you understand mm-hmm. what you are, which is a spiritual being having psychological experiences, you can then get to why you are, which is to have a reciprocal relationship with the world around you. Mm-hmm. Which which means in in a spiritual sense merge with other souls, yeah. while egos just bump into one another. Souls merge. There is yeah. no color. There is no gender. There is no race or religious difference. We're all souls attempting to get to the source. 
and 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 that yeah and 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 to be connected and feel connected to it and and in the context of the work I do, the source is life itself you know you mm-hmm. can you can superimpose that into your religion and it's God or it's the universe mm-hmm. or whatever your whatever your orientation is, but the point is is that the that the work that i am that I am teaching and wanting people to understand is. Wherever you are with this business of source, God, or universe, this will enhance that relationship. This will enrich that relationship. Uh, it doesn't threaten it. The only the only people on the planet that would be threatened by this work would be anybody who's poured in concrete, anybody mm-hmm. who is mm-hmm. inflexible, anybody who is rigid. Those people are not open to a shift in perspective. They are quite happy with the idea that the world is flat. Well, yeah. They're quite yeah. happy with that and they'll go to their grave with that. And even though mm-hmm. even though the larger truth is the world is round, they will go to their grave thinking that the world is flat. And that's the that's the trouble with a rigid kind of fundamental perspective of anything. I don't make it, it doesn't matter what it is that what mm-hmm. makes us what makes us special as human beings is uh, is our capacity to adapt and our capacity to be uniquely a an expression that is us, and that uh, mm-hmm. that's what makes us special. Just like snowflakes, there's only one of us. Each mm-hmm. of us, each of mm-hmm. us is unique in our own right, because each of those containers that we have been poured into, that we call the ego or that we call character, each of those containers is like a snowflake. Everyone is different with its own bumps and bruises and creases and mm-hmm. folds and shapes. And and so, but the, but the liquid inside the container is the same. Only the character is what's different. Yeah. The character, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I I had this insight today, and it was connected to that experience I had of of a veil lifting, and I had this insight today that something else shifted in that I went from a place of um, believing to knowing, and when I started thinking about that, it seems to me that. Our beliefs are exactly what separates us. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yes. yeah. Yeah, there there has to be at some point in spiritual growth a graduation from believing to knowing. Yeah, and, and not only is it does it uh, divide us as people from each other, it divides us internally from ourselves. Because right, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. the 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 internal belief that that I have said that is built into the culture is guilt and shame, which is self-blame and Mm self-punishment for Mm -hmm. making mistakes or not living the right kind of life, or shame, Mm -hmm. which is Mm self-hatred and self-loathing, which means that you're not love-worthy or deserving. Well, those mm-hmm. messages are are passed on to us by the by the personal and collective culture, and so we have to heal that. There's no way to escape it. We're all exposed to it, and so mm-hmm. so yeah. So the and so that's why it's a progression. This business of healing the division. You can't go you can't go directly to the source. And, uh, and 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 sadly, what people are doing with that is is that they're 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 putting all of their insurance in the afterlife. You know, I may not be able to heal my division in this life, but when I go to heaven, it'll be healed automatically. And um, mm-hmm. and you can see the problem with that. You know, the problem with that is is that um, 
it doesn't do much for the time here. <laughs> it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make this life any better. And and, and again, that's mm-hmm. a, that's kind of a fundamental view, and it's a quite religious view. But that, again, that as I watched my my patients who were from all different walks of life and all different religions, when I saw that their rabbis and their ministers and their preachers was giving them no comfort at all in their their doctrine and their uh, their books, whatever they were, whether it was a Kabbalah or the Bible, whatever, it wasn't providing these people any kind of um of experience of healing, uh or 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 wasn't providing a lot of comfort. Uh I thought, wow, I got to figure out a way to talk about this that isn't isn't entrenched in a black and white model, you know, because life is not black and white. It is mostly gray. Mm-hmm. And, right, um, right. Yeah, and so yeah, yeah. so so depending upon you know what what people's orientation is, this this work that I teach superimposes on whatever they they typically think and feel, unless it's quite rigid and and concrete, like I said, which is a whole nother conversation. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, and and there is that that the religious belief that um, there's something better after this and. Also in the um, kind of new age spirituality, the modern day spiritual movement, there's this idea that while we're here, we can just transcend the the human part of it. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's yeah, a, and that's not possible either. <laughs> yeah, no, well, you're not gonna you're not gonna transcend your division, and you're not gonna transcend uh, uh, any of that. Uh, it's a nice little trick that the ego plays that you can. Uh, and it might work for a while until life throws you a curve, and then it's not going to work anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. And this right. is the beauty of it. I mean, you know, you can you can defend your um, your station in life, whatever your perspective is, philosophically or politically or religiously about these things. You can defend all those positions as you sit in your house with a cup of coffee watching television. But if I cut off your legs. If you lose your child to death, if your son commits suicide, you're going to find that those belief systems collapse, mm. and, uh, and there's mm-hmm. not going to be a lot of comfort there, and uh, uh, and a lot of guidance on how to how to endure and to heal in the most horrific possible circumstance, and um, uh, and so yeah, it's and and I understand uh, faith. And and what role faith plays in that, but it still is passive. And um, there is a there's a point in the human despair where passivity doesn't work. Mm. And uh, mm. you know, at some point, you have to kind of pull your pants up and sort it out yourself. And uh, mm. and this is and this is the challenge. And I think it's uh, you know like I've said before in other shows that we say that uh, adversity builds character, but we leave out that it tears it down first. Mm, it mm, totally, it totally yeah. collapses the character, so you can re, re, restructure a new container to pour the ego inside of. And keep in mind that, that imagine this this imperfect container that is that is you, which is the ego. Uh, that if you collapse that container often enough. And take the contents of, the, of that container, which is the soul and spirit of who you are, and transfer the mm-hmm. contents to a new container, which may still have bumps and bruises and may have 
cracks and, and crevices that what we're supposed to do over the course of a lifetime is to transfer the contents of that container across four containers. So so mm-hmm. in your mind, you can see the image. You start out as this deformed, bumps mm-hmm. and bruised victim kind of character in this in this really kind of bizarre-looking container, if you will. See, by the time you get to the fourth container, it's a smooth container. No bumps, no bruises, mm-hmm. no cracks, no anything. And you're finally mm-hmm. at that place where you can say, I am more than this container. Mm. And that's and that's literally what you have mm. to get to in this business of ego and personality work is is it that the uh, the personality by by design is deformed, it is cracked, it has got bumps and bruises, it's got guilt and shame, and so as you as you shift the content which is the soul and spirit of who you are into new containers over the course of a developmental life, which is adolescence, young adult, midlife, and old age, as you shift. The final container is smooth as glass, and there's no bumps, there's no bruises. And now you have a choice to ask the question, who's holding the camera? What is right. holding the container? You see, and that's the and that's the transition that has to occur mm-hmm. if you're going yeah. to evolve. And I think this is where we're losing in the spiritual movement now is, is that we're trying to take these deformed containers into a transcendent place. Mm. And mm. Uh, and and it doesn't it, and it's a great illusion, it's a great trick, but it isn't valid. Mm-hmm. It isn't the it isn't the human condition, and it isn't the uh, it isn't the spiritual. It isn't the path that a spiritual being having psychological experiences would take. It's yeah. the path. It's the path that a personality would take. Mm-hmm. And that and that's. And I don't know if that makes sense. I'm saying that for the first time that yeah. way, but that but that literally is is the way I see this. That we're moving, mm-hmm. and that was my very first case. And then we'll it will close out the show. My very first case. I talked about it last night in the class that we did. That uh, I had a, a veteran that had lost his legs. He was paralyzed from the waist down. Uh, he was a paratrooper in Vietnam, and and I and I remember writing in my notes, my therapy notes. You know, I was not trained in college to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. What am I going to do with this guy? Mm-hmm. Well, it took me 15 years. I couldn't tell you what I did with him. Now, in hindsight, this was in 1975. So I would imagine I held his hand, I cried with him, I comforted him, I gave it my best shot in my in my effort to help him. But I, it took me 10 or 15 years to figure out that I was supposed to take the contents of that egg and put it into another container, not put mm-hmm. Humpty Dumpty back together again. Mm-hmm. And this is what we do, you know, with most of the mental health models. We just keep restructuring the ego. Mm-hmm. And so, and so imagine a shell of a container. It's been cracked, and and then you just get out a, a tube of glue, and you put it back together the best you can. That's what we're, that's what we're doing. We're just gluing the container back together, not realizing that the soul and spirit of who we are is all of who we are, mm. not the container. And uh, as, as, I, as I've said before, that the soul and spirit of anything is all there is of it. <laughs> so, so <laughs> yeah, so there is nothing else you know, than the soul and spirit. And so, so look how long it took me to put that together. But that's what this work does. It helps people yeah. understand that trans. So it's not transcending the psychology of who you are. It's transcending the container 
into the next container. And developmentally, you will be in containers until you aren't anymore. Mm-hmm. And you know when you're, and you know, and then when you aren't anymore, you know that you are in a dimension of love and truth and freedom. And the truth of the matter mm-hmm. is, you you end up building a bridge between the container of who you think you are uh, to the outside world uh, and to the inside world to what you really are. And the bridge, well, yeah. and the bridge yeah, moves you back have and forth. to have that. Yes. Yeah, yeah because you have to have that. Uh, you have to function and you have to relate right. and yeah right yeah so so it's it's almost like you know and so you you have a bridge you have a door if you will that you move back and forth between the the container and the dimension of love truth and freedom and that door is is uh, is almond shape <laughs> so it's a dim- <laughs> it's 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 a dimensional door that allows you to move from personality and, and who you think you are and who everybody else thinks you are to a place that you really are which is a spiritual mm. being, yeah, which is connected mm. to a soul, which is connected to uh, to God or to universe or to whatever your higher sense of self would be, yeah. Mm. To life itself. To life itself, exactly. Thank you for being a part of The Soul's Intent with author, psychologist, and spiritual teacher Ernie Vecchio. This is the show that can open your mind to things you never thought possible. While problems manifest psychospiritually, on a most essential level, there exists an energy component that provides the instructions for these fields to enter awareness. And the soul's intent is here to help you learn what these instructions are. Join us each week to learn how there is a physical place of love, truth, and freedom, and how in an instant learn that moving to such a place is actually a choice.